ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Uh, I am recording and I have been saving this bit until I start recording the whole time. Well, I only just hit record, so. Well, I got it on my recording, so can, no, I can't do it again. That's not how Can it you works. do it again? <laughs> and I'm not willing to drink a litre of Monster through the next 20, 30 minutes. Why not? Because I won't get through the whole podcast without needing to piss. Well, Happy New Year. This is and the, to you, my friend. The return of uh, Peaks. Yeah, Happy New Year. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> how anti-climatic. I'm, yeah. I'm not a New Year's guy. I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I'm not a... Like, I, I'm not a milestone date guy. Like, yeah. I'm not a diet starts on Monday guy. I, yeah, I just don't like that concept. I, I think it fuels a lot of people and I think it's great for a lot of people. But yeah, yeah. it just, I feel it fosters negative reinforcement cycle where you're like, I'm going to do this in the new year. Then you don't do it. Then you get pissed off at yourself and hate yeah, yeah. yourself. And it, it definitely can. I would, I would say I'm more towards the middle of that spectrum. Um, but for me, it was less like I'm like ready to do all these things in the new year and more like i just needed a bit of a holiday <laughs> and like yeah. that holiday could have been six months ago and i could have had the same reset and refocus and that sort of thing but uh mm. but yeah yeah so yeah, from no. here at the peak peak uh, conglomerate team we wish you all a very happy new year welcome to 2021 yeah. your microphone's done that weird thing where it goes loud and then went quiet again oh lame is oh, it no, good? It's, no, it's just it's just loud. It sounds like the gain's up too high or something. The gain's down really low, like lower than usual. 
Yeah, okay, well, then it's done something weird. I mean, it still sounds fine, but... Okay, well, fingers crossed the recording is, is fine. If not, yeah, well. enjoy the shittiest episode yeah, of Peak Speak since episode one. This, I was, this will definitely not be the shittest episode of Peak Speak when it comes to audio quality. Hmm. Uh, recording, discussing with Chad out the back of the gym in camera with the planes <laughs> flying the planes. overhead. Yeah. Is it still um, messing up, though? Uh, maybe it sounds a bit louder. I don't know. Anyway, let's just pretend it doesn't exist and okay. move forward. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend. We'll pretend. Um, public service announcement from the also the Pixby conglomerate team. Uh, use your fucking face savers, please, for the love of oh God. God. I, I really wish we didn't have to have this conversation, but we should. We should. We should. So, uh, like yourself, many times I've been saved by face savers. From, from moderate incidents, from failed lifts. I've been saved like I would 100% be dead. I had one incident uh, the second time I ever used a slingshot. Uh, so the second time I ever used a slingshot, my max bench was probably 170. I was benching 190. I unracked the bench. And as I started to bring, started the eccentric, my wrist just gave out and I dropped the bar straight down like, directly yeah, over my it face would have broken your face in half yeah. with 190 kilos like i'd be confident if i didn't have the face savers set up i'd, I'd be dead yeah um i don't think that's uh, a rare occurrence to set the face savers up for something that's new and that's scary what is far more a rare occurrence is is setting the face savers up for routine benching yes and so the reason we're talking about this is i had a lifter who earlier this week uh came uncomfortably close to dying and that's that's not an exaggeration at all. Man, I, I like. I am now one of what do you say four people that's seen this video, and I have seen some pretty fucked lifting videos in my life. And this lifting video should never be on the internet. It's mm. it's so fucked that we need to talk about it, but not. Uh, I don't think anyone else needs to see it. I think it's you just got to take our word for it. Yeah, it's it's certainly the most uncomfortable lifting video that I've ever watched because of its proximity to. How, like actual death yeah it, it very was, very yeah. very serious and so it, it gives me shivers thinking about it like, this yeah. this lifter of mine benches this weight all the time it was a routine bench session uh and so like we all get complacent with this right we all mm -hmm. bench we all just think okay this is a weight that we can do any day of the week for any number of reps it can be very easy for something you know fatigue to kick in whatever a, a grindy last rep uh and in this case in the absence of uh, some face savers in the absence of um, uh, not using collars on a on a bench press uh, it just so happened that this person got in a bit of trouble with the bar um, trapping trapping their neck uh, and yeah it's 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 a very uncomfortable video to watch it's never going to be released oh ever. man it's incredibly graphic and it, it is as close to watching someone die while lifting as i have ever been nor or as close as i ever want to be uh yep. because yeah there, there was less than a minute makes that video go two different ways yeah uh, yeah. yeah 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 and like th this person is an experienced lifter and an experienced coach yep um this person and know, that's often like who it happens to because exactly what you said you get a little bit complacent it's something that you can do all the time you don't think too much about it and then suddenly that freak occurrence mm. is the one that kills you and then you become the headline in the newspaper about how lifting is really dangerous and you don't want to do that to the rest of us for sure for sure so be before anyone you know has the goal to say something like 
it's on them, it's their own fault or, or whatever. We all do this. Like I, yeah, I, I've done it. I can't even yeah. like before before I did this last equip cycle. Most of the time, I wouldn't even really think that deeply about the face savers. No, now, I I try to be aware of it because you know I go through these cycles of seeing something that that happens like this, but it's just so easy to get complacent. Same things yeah. with safeties on a mono. Um, you know, it's so easy to drop a bar if you've taken the straps away and have someone's foot caught under it or something like that. Like, um, I think it's just a, a reminder that what we do, although it is just commonplace to us and we get complacent about it, is it can it can be really, really, really dangerous. Yeah, like life or death. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's the the thing that um has yeah made it very obvious is watching someone come that close to like actually just dying under a bench press and it's like the thing is it's so simple to prevent yeah with one of two ways either you bench on a bench that has face savers and you set them every fucking time no matter what you're doing or if you're benching in an environment that doesn't have face savers and you don't have a competent spotter near you don't put collars on the bar yep because yep, yep. uh, they're they're the two simple ways to get out of it. If you get stuck under a bar that doesn't have collars on it, you can generally you'll be able to push one side enough to get the plates to fall off or slide off a little bit, and you'll be able to kind of squirm your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this instance, this person got real lucky that basically they lost consciousness at the right point in time, and that's the thing that saved them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah as as fucked as i've ever seen man i like i'm genuinely scarred a little bit having seen it but i think it's an important conversation that needs to be had for sure for sure cool all right um and don't send us a bunch of messages asking for the video because we're not sending it to anyone (laughs) no absolutely not um well on to more positive things yes yes let's let's talk about something more positive so i got a message on instagram from joel.pl yes Um, asking about uh, talking about getting us to talk about comps and what a first post comp uh, post lockdown competition looks like Uh, I think a lot of this we've we've touched on in various ways over the last six months or so Um, but I think I don't think we've done like a specific episode talking about how to approach that first comp. So uh, Joel was talking about whether you should just do your first comp as the first one that comes up to get some post-COVID numbers on the board to rebuild from or whether you should keep training until you're back at uh, the level you were at pre-COVID before you compete. Mm. Uh, And yeah, I think we both probably have a very similar opinion on this one, but um, I think it's worth unpacking. Yeah, and it's a good conversation to have because we're not post-COVID, so we're going to go through these, like, you know, we're, we're going to go through waves of, like, just like in Brisbane, you know, Br- Brisbane's locked down for the next three days and possibly that could be extended for indefinitely, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we are going to continue to go through these waves for a little while. Um, yeah, it certainly know? seems that way. And uh, so there's not just going to be post-COVID, but, like, there's going to be <laughs> exactly. se- se- several post-COVID competitions, you know, several yep. post-COVID cycles. Um for me the biggest thing is the kind of mindset shift that needs to happen not just in in terms of like when should i compete but what does this competition mean uh what is this competition for and uh that's that's a hard pill to swallow for lifters it's you know it's it's very analogous to 
uh, post injury lifting or something like that, yes. or um, post time off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, because you, inherently, your your innate nature is going to be to compare your lifting right now to your best lifting ever, and that's just it's just unfair. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, it's a conversation that I've had in excuse me in, in varying forms because of exactly what you said it's the same conversation regardless of whatever the thing that conspired to prevent you from training is be it injury or, or whatever um and i think it's it's an, uh, an emotional discussion for some people because people get a little too committed to the numbers on the board being the only measure of progress and that emotional attachment that comes from the idea that you need to be able to get better at every comp mm. and that uh, that the numbers, yeah, indicate that. So I've talked to a few people in sort of coming back to the gym and, and talking to people about what they're doing for training and stuff for the year. And um, the way I've talked to them about it has been to distinguish between the ideas of uh, a competition where that I, I am now referring to because I came up with this lexicon about an hour and a half ago uh a developmental competition or an output competition so a developmental competition or an output competition is the easiest one that's the one where the goal is shoot for pbs mm. maybe that means win maybe that means you know place at nationals maybe that's a total pb like whatever that specific measure of output is that's the goal of that training cycle uh, and then a developmental comp would be one that is focused less on the actual weight on the bar and one that is focused more on developing the like soft skills, I guess, of competing. So that's things like being able to manage your nerves on the day, uh, attempt selection slash warm-up procedures, things like that that are about improving a very specific element of being good at competitive powerlifting that you can only really replicate in a competition environment because of the unique stress and pressure sort of build up that happens around a comp and and in a comp environment especially for those that are less experienced i think the the idea of a developmental comp or comps can be really beneficial and I think is a, a really good way to frame that mindset discussion around where you're going and what the goal of each competition experience is. Mm, yeah. It, one thing that kind of rings true to me through this, and this is kind of changing what you were just talking about, but it's it's in the same subject, right? Like when I trained at a at a commercial gym, I remember, I remember specifically two people, one guy, Joe, uh, shout out to Joe if you're still alive. Uh, he, he definitely doesn't listen to this if he if he is um, but this, this guy joe was like a young guy he was he was pretty fucking jacked and um for some reason in the gym that i trained in there was this real culture of uh trying to prove that you were uh, you know you were good by saying that you don't train like and what i mean by that is like you'd see him you'd be like hey how you going he's like you'd be like oh yeah i'm good i've just just had a cut you know a month or two off and i'm like I saw you last week like three times like I know you didn't have a month off but sounds like my kind of training program people how people little like, can you train yeah people create this like dialogue in their head and they just say it and start to believe it and yeah. I see this a lot with with lifters right and it'll be true of this situation you're gonna have to really be like uh introspective and think how much training you actually did because I, I see lifters be Oh, Thomas, I've trained for two years since my last comp. 
And I, it doesn't even look like I'm going to PB. And I'd be like, <laughs> why are, are you forgetting the eight month lockdown where you didn't train? Yeah. You're forgetting that six month time off that you had after your shoulder surgery. Like they're like, yeah. I, they're convinced because the time has been two years that they've been <laughs> yeah, training yeah. consistently yeah. or training at the kind of level that's going to yeah. uh, lead to progress. So like in terms of a mindset shift leading into like, are you doing this as a, a soft skills kind of comp, a developmental comp or an output comp? The reality is, is like this return post COVID, pretty much everyone's first comp is probably going to be uh, developmental, right? Because yep. of that time off or because of that, that, that break in consistency. That doesn't mean it's going to be a real fucking weak comp or something like that. It's just aligning your expectations up to where your strength is right now based on the training that you've been able to do. Yeah, and I think it's a mistake that uh, is more broadly made across the whole training experience. Like, I think it's sort of analogous to the um, the idea that, like, you should be able to express your peak level of strength at all times. Like, oh, I didn't feel strong today because I didn't hit heavy singles. So, yeah, that's because you're six months out from a comp. You don't need to be hitting heavy singles. That's not the goal. And understanding that ultimately like this is a cyclical sport that if you do it for long enough there will be periods of the year or periods of multiple years where you're not at your strongest either because of outside influences or because of the design of the training process like you you just can't be that strong all the time that's not how it works and uh i think it's a lesson that you can learn in a very acute way through something like a lockdown or, or an injury or some very acute negative circumstance, but it's one that can be a really interesting window into the broader process and the, and the cyclical nature of it. Cause ultimately I think it comes down to the emotional attachment to progress as, uh, as measured by weight on the bar and only ever comparing yourself to your best performance, not what you're currently capable of, uh, but I think if you do it well, like you said, and you can be introspective, it can be a really powerful tool to expose the idea that, yeah, you just don't have to be at your best all the time and, and you probably shouldn't be mm. if you want to actually pursue it in a long-term framework. The problem with comparing to yourself to your best all your time as well, all the time as well, is that it creates this like subconscious belief that you can't get weaker than your strongest point. Yeah. like saying that out loud you should hear that and be like well that's fucking stupid of course you can get weaker than your strongest point but like if you're always comparing yourself to your best squat you're always going to think i should be able to you know pull that out of the bag anytime any day right yeah, yeah and with- it's it's the context like being able to i had a discussion with someone today who was like a bit disappointed about hitting a a below their best bench in a comp at the end of the year despite being over 10% lighter than they were at the last comp. Mm. Like, well, that, that 10% body weight drop changes the context completely and you need to be able to recognize the, the factors that are influencing these performances that are above and beyond what happens on that day at that time. It's everything that leads up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, did a, we did an episode a little while back called Comp Day Mindset yeah go back and listen to that because that really explores a lot of these thoughts a a little bit more in depth Um, but one thing that we both spoke about uh is this idea that on you don't get to pick your comp day either right so that's the best bit when you're regularly peaking like there's a skill to making sure that you can be as strong as you can on that day but 
everyone's got strong days and weak days right depending yep. on a multitude of factors uh we can extrapolate that in a broader sense and look at it like this like it's it's like just like you can't control uh you, you can't or you can't magically make the number that you want on the bar be on the bar <clears throat> yeah but it, all you can control all you can deal with is the strength that you have right at this very point in time yes um, and so like if you you know you're pushing rpe 9 10 numbers in the gym that are eons away from your absolute best don't just try and shoot for your absolute best thinking that you can do it use that data to be like okay this is about where my strength is at this is what i can expect and yep. then just say that's a fucking good starting point yep. D- just yeah just think of it analogous to, to dieting like <coughs> you, you have you know a few months off dieting and go travel europe and come back and you're 10 kilos heavy it's like this is my starting point i can start here yep. and i can make progress back to where i was this is your starting point do your developmental comp okay i'm 10 percent less than my total if you're within 10 percent striking range of your top total you're going to be at your top total very pretty, quickly pretty quickly yeah it's just 10 percent is a scary number like if you total 800 and you go 720 you're going to feel weak as fuck but that's yeah. actually really close to your best yeah and and i think uh that recognizing it as just like a, another another data point like it's not always about every every step in the process being better and, and bigger than the last one. Cause you and like people like you and I who have been around this long enough know that the, the curve doesn't just go straight up, right? Like it's not a linear relationship with progress in, in any pursuit, let alone in something like powerlifting. Um, and I think the the better you are at removing yourself from that idea, which is hard to do because it's been sold to you as a, a great linear progression by a lot of people and a lot of uh, portions of the industry. Um, the more you quickly you realize that it is just another sort of point in the radar, I think the, the quicker you'll be able to recognize it as that and get the value out of it. There's a lot to be gained from bad performances or sub optimal performances, right? Like I've, I've got more lessons out of the comps where I've done poorly or below my expectations than I ever have from the good comps. Cause you walk away from the good comp and be like, I am the best. Like this is how it works. I'm just a programming master. And like, I don't know why the fuck you people even try. Look how good I am. You go to a comp and you bomb or you go to a comp and you do really poorly. It's a chance if you're mature enough as a person to sit down and recognize what it was and what were the factors that went into ruining that experience for you or, or making it bad quote unquote uh, there's an argument there that perhaps it's not a bad experience perhaps mm-hmm. it's just a, an experience an that experience. you place the value on either positively or negatively but i think there's a lot to be learned from bad experiences in the, in that respect mm. um and potentially that's what you get out of it like if you walk away from a comp going fuck i know eight things not to do next time it doesn't matter if you hit a pb total i think you got something out of it mm. Put it this way, if you do a comp and you, you do really poorly or far below your expectations or you, you, you blow it because you went in with the wrong expectations and that's enough to make you angry and sad enough to sort of be like, this isn't the sport for me. This was never the sport for you in the first place. <laughs> no, it, it most definitely was not. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, if you haven't failed at some point, you haven't really experienced powerlifting. Mm. I, I think the accessibility and the ease of progress... Uh, that you can see in the ease of progress that you've got access to seeing through other people uh, creates the illusion that this is easier than it actually is. Yeah. 
and quicker as well. Like that's mm. the because all you see is two videos and one of them's six months ago and one of them's now and there's a hundred kilos difference in the weight on the bar. Suddenly you're like, oh well, that's just how it works and this will be easy. Mm. But it, that's like you said, not how it works. Uh, there are periods of years in a long enough time scale where you'll go without hitting PBs. And at a certain point, in, if you do powerlifting for long enough, you'll never be any stronger than you've been. Mm. You know, like, I'm pretty confident I'm never going to squat over 400 again. I'm okay with that. I, I moved beyond the emotional attachment to being someone who identifies as a 400 kilo squatter several years ago. Um, and that was just like that was a phase of my training where i went through and i was that's the heaviest weight i'll ever lift and i'm okay with that i've i've moved beyond that because my goals are different now and i think as you mature in your pursuit of something like powerlifting and generally it's the people who've been doing it for more than three or four years once you get through that two you know 18 month two year period where you're going to get a lot of progress pretty quickly pretty easily you get to that sort of two year mark maybe three-year mark where things start to slow down and it gets hard mm. you can get through that period then you'll be like oh yeah if i took six months off training and I, it'll be fine and i'll be back to normal in no time because you recognize that it's it's cyclical it's the people who never get through that weedy gross period of misery that uh get stuck i think mm. <laughs> how many times do you get look john i don't, like i'm not going to ask you how long is it going to take me to, to get to this number but like if you like a ballpark of about how long like they're asking the question but they're like i know you can't answer it but i really want an answer for it yeah somewhere between six months and ten years yeah Yeah. there'll be a lot of that with this post-covid stuff it's like look i want to get back to my best total maybe maybe have a pr and i i know you can't tell me when that's going to happen but (laughs) but i would like it to the minute you know Uh, six months two years like when when do you think in your experience so (laughs) what you want to know is when is this going to happen for you like you're literally just asking the question that you told me i can't answer (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and yeah you get that a lot and i think it's the wrong question to ask unfortunately uh because it's the default question that almost everyone asks. Uh, but yeah, you'll get through it eventually. Mm. <laughs> What's your fucking rush? I mean, if you do powerlifting well, you can do it for many, many years. And uh, then, yeah, 10 years into your lifting career, that six-month period where you couldn't leave your house will begin to look pretty easy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think a, you know a big part of getting getting your mindset right for what's to happen post you know long periods of time not training or uh you know training in a in a suboptimal fashion for example after covid uh a a big part of like getting your mindset right is is questioning the why of of your training like what what am i doing this for who am i doing this for why did i get into it into the first place like uh, because you know we part of why what keeps us going initially is not just because we enjoy lifting weights but we enjoy seeing the progress Yes. And again, like this, this consistent comparison to our best makes progress look diminished in the eyes of your best performances, which is yep. why something like, uh, which is why right at the start of this, I suggested, or I can't remember if I said it on here or to you beforehand, but like get into a comp as soon as you can yeah. to have your starting point. So in yep. your training, you can be like, 
well fuck i, I hit an rp9 you know 200 kilo squat at this competition and now i'm doing 200 for five by five again like that that's part of what makes training yeah. so fucking cool is because you've got a tangible direct view of your progress right in front of you so like part of your mindset shift post covid needs to be again relating it to where you are right now if you can do that by jumping into a comp and setting that comp as this is not a comp comp but a developmental comp like john was talking about you, you're probably going to find yourself loving training very quickly and as a yeah. result making progress much faster than you would if you were just in the down in the dumps thinking oh this is so shit i'm never gonna be strong again yeah exactly man and look i think the nature of my personality is i'm the sort of person that would step into a comp and be like all right let's see how bad this dumpster fire really is mm. and you know do nothing in preparation for it or, or do the bare minimum compete and be like all right cool like that was really shit and i'm really bad at this and great now i've got heaps of room to improve and i'm okay with that but i don't know that everyone can take an ego hit like that which mm. is like it shouldn't be an ego hit because it doesn't matter but it can seem like such an ego hit to to potentially to be in a position where you're 10% weaker than you've been at your best but and to, it's a good to, starting point to be fair um it is a little bit harder to swallow in this situation so yes. w- what i'm comparing it to is a lot of my experience and time off is due to injury or due to yes. you know my surgeries or whatever and when when you're post injury it's like fuck yeah i can squat again like that mm. that order that yeah. helps you find that this is my yeah, starting yeah. point because it's like i can do the thing again and now i can and it doesn't hurt it. or whatever yeah in the absence of that when it's just forced time off it, it's it's a little bit harder to see that light um so you know I, I do empathize with people who are going through this like little little lost period of like who am i and what am i and what <laughs> what am i doing like it is a little bit harder to see because um you know you, there's there's been no impediment to stop you lifting there's been no desire to stop lifting or no real need for lack of a better term to stop lifting you've just had to stop lifting because of this thing going on yeah uh, so it is a little bit harder to swallow as, as well yeah yeah, I, I definitely agree on that front. The the periods of time I've had off are almost always self-imposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it, it is certainly a, a different experience, again, from the injury front as well, you know. Uh, but an experience that almost everyone's going through. So you're not alone and recognize mm-hmm. that it's okay to feel like this uh, and to feel a bit lost. But hopefully this year looks a little bit better and people can get into, you know, we've got eight comps on our calendar for the year. Uh, yeah, hopefully people can get in and start hitting some totals soon and, and be ready to go. Yeah, I, and that that has to come with the territory. Uh, you know, you've got eight comps planned. I've I just you know put up my comp calendar a couple of days ago or something like that. Um, what needs to come with the the territory is like yeah, get in a comp as soon as you can, but be prepared to change course. Like it is going to be rocky for a while. Uh, yeah, and so I'm getting lifters like fucking everything all in committing to comps and i i hate to be the guy that's like glass half (laughs) empty in this situation but i have to be like this is all well and good let's aim for it let's shoot for these numbers yes sure but be prepared for things to change like you you have to because if that isn't the lesson you took out of 2020 i don't know what is yeah uh so yeah i think hopefully a lot of powerlifters will be a lot more flexible in their uh, approach to things. And I think what that will also potentially do is put you in a position where your training ideas and, and processes improve. Like I'm certainly a more flexible coach now than I have been 
in the past because I've had to adapt to situations where it's like, hey, this is what it looks like. Oh, we've got two weeks off here or, you know, being able to manipulate things on the fly like that can be a really useful skill as well. So there's a lot of positives to be taken from it. Uh, I think ultimately it relies on you not being a miserable sack of shit and actually capable of enjoying the process that you're supposed to enjoy. Like this is a fucking hobby and if you're not enjoying it, uh, then yeah, you're doing the wrong hobby because it's it's not going to get you that far. Credit to lifters though. We're, we've all been like fucking cockroaches. Like the the resilience of people to just find ways to lift, yeah. uh, find ways to be doing stuff uh, is fucking cool. Like each time Melbourne, you know, came sort of half on or half off, or I've got a I've got quite a few lifters in in regional Victoria where it's like always kind of being yeah, like, yeah. oh maybe you can, maybe you can't, and so like you yeah. can, you can't, you can't, you can't. They just seem to find ways to just one week they're in a gym, the next week they're in some mate's fucking dirty dungeon and there's like car parts and lawnmowers and shit that they're dodging while they walk out of school. It's really cool. Like my um, one of my favorites was watching some of the people uh, that we lent equipment to when we closed. So we like emptied the place out and all our members had equipment in their living rooms and stuff. And we had a couple of people who live in like two bedroom apartments with like no real living space who had to like completely rearrange their living room for every <laughs> training session like put the couch on the wall build the squat rack like yeah. you know and it's like man that's like a level of commitment that makes you come back to a gym where all you have to do is walk through the door yeah and then you're like Shut oh up. fuck that's right this is this is so good uh yeah remember that feeling like six months from now when you're like oh training's so hard i have to go to <laughs> training just remember how miserable it has been i think that's uh, another nice perspective uh shift that can be useful yeah quiet deadlifts everyone deadlifting super <laughs> quiet super slow eccentrics not to piss off the neighbors or go through yeah. their floor yeah so you get an increase in the number of people just fucking letting go of a deadlift bar at the top just because they can yeah look enjoy those little things because it, it makes a difference mm. so I, I my final message uh in terms of this subject is getting a comp when you can uh, yep. appreciate it for what it is and, and let that be your developmental point your starting point to uh, have something to compare to rather than what you have done in the past and make sure it's fun like have a good time doing it don't go into it going like oh, i'm miserable because my performance is not going to be at my best go into it going fuck yeah competing is cool i get to do it with my friends you know those sort of things i think are the experiences that are worth having sooner rather than later because like you said earlier thomas they are the ones that are going to mean you're motivated and ready to train hard mm. sweet that's about it also set your face overs motherfuckers catches 